one who says, I will sin and repent, I will sin and repent, is not given the opportunity to repent. Oi. Today we are talking about sin and repentance. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. The Jewish high holidays of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the holiest days of the Jewish calendar, begin in exactly one month. And we Jews must prepare ourselves for these days. What do we have to do? And how do we do it? The overarching theme of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur is Teshuvah, repentance. Imagine God is sitting on the divine throne with three large books on a table, the book of good life, the book of death, and the book of the in-between. The goal of doing Teshuvah is to move ourselves from the book of the in-between into the book of good life. This process begins on Rosh Hashanah and is sealed on Yom Kippur. We don't want to think about being sealed in the death book, yet nobody stays in the middle. Our fates are decided between these holy days. And we have to prepare our arguments for inclusion in the book of good life, starting now. Before we talk about repentance, we must first define the concept of sin. In Hebrew, the word for sin is chait. The word chait is an archery term. It means to miss the mark. If a mitzvah is a bullseye, a sin, chait, is not hitting the target at all. So what is a sin? Simply put, a sin is the violation of a mitzvah. So what is a mitzvah? A mitzvah is a divinely commanded ordinance, something that God demands that we do or demands that we don't do. A positive mitzvah would be honor your mother and father. A negative mitzvah would be you shall not murder. According to Rabbi Simlai, who expounded on this concept in the third century of the Common Era, there are 613 mitzvot found in the Torah. 365 are negative, corresponding to the 365 days of the year, and 248 are positive, corresponding to the number of bones, ligaments, and organs in the human body. Many of the mitzvot cannot be observed today, such as sacrifices, but many are still widely observed, such as the holidays, circumcision, and personal behavior. Others are subject to rabbinic and modern interpretations due to the advance of civilization, such as organ donation or even space travel. There are several steps to take if we are to put ourselves back in God's good graces and earn the right to be inscribed in the book of good life. First, we must acknowledge and take responsibility for the sin and only then ask for forgiveness and make restitution if necessary. First to another person and then to God. One can sin on purpose or by accident. If Jews drive through a McDonald's and order a bacon cheeseburger, that is a deliberate sin. If we eat a biscuit and only later discover that it was made with lard, that too is a sin, even if it was accidental. In the first few chapters of the book of Leviticus, 
we learn what to do if we commit a sin. We bring an offering to a priest who will sacrifice it upon an altar to effect atonement. If we sin by mistake, there is one prescribed manner of sacrifices. If the sin is deliberate, there is a greater penalty, sometimes including punitive damages, lashes, excommunication, or even death, although the death penalty was rarely, if ever, carried out. But what happens when there is no temple? How do Jews atone without sacrifices? The rabbis of the Mishnah and Talmud were forced to create a system by which a person could make atonement without a sacrificial offering. In short, the rabbis interpreted the Torah and concluded that repentance and atonement can be accomplished through prayer, introspection, and personal intercession without the need for sacrifices or priests. The rabbis of the Mishnah redefined the concept of sin and repentance. Instead of the now-defunct sacrificial system, they divided sins into two different categories, sins between a person and God and sins between one person and another. While it was still important to delineate between accidental and deliberate sins, it became more important to determine who the sin hurt, another person or God. And the rabbis decided that a sin committed against another human being was more important than sinning against God. This was an extremely important reworking of sin and repentance. It now included human forgiveness, not just divine. We read again in the Talmud, for transgressions between a person and God, Yom Kippur atones. However, for transgressions between one person and another, Yom Kippur does not atone until he appeases the other person. What is a sin against God? Again, taking our example from the Ten Commandments, we know that we should not take God's name in vain. The rabbis never meant this to mean that we couldn't say God, you know what? Rather, it meant that we cannot violate an oath that we swear before God. If, for example, we say that we will keep kosher if mom recovers from cancer and she recovers, then we had better start keeping kosher. If not, it is an unfulfilled vow, a sin between a human being and God. But what about the second case? Transgressions between one human being and another. Yom Kippur does not atone until one person appeases the other. This is harder. We must go to each individual person whom we have wronged and personally ask for forgiveness. If I shorted your paycheck, I must ask for your forgiveness and of course make restitution. Then if you forgive me, I can come before God on Yom Kippur and ask for God's forgiveness. We must apologize in person to the one we have wronged, not through a letter, a phone call, an email, tweet, or text, in person. This is exceedingly difficult, and not everyone can do it. But if we don't attempt this, we're not sure which book God is going to put us in. It could be the bad one. In today's world, the idea of sin and forgiveness is not as clear-cut as it was to the ancients. For us, God is more of a transcendent figure. It's hard to see the role that God plays in the universe. But without God, the whole concept of teshuvah, repentance, is worthless. And Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are reduced to nostalgic holidays with only a shofar, and special foods to make them interesting.
but we have adapted. After our break, we are going to apply two rabbinic maxims about sin and repentance to our modern world. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this is Torah for Christians. Welcome back to Torah for Christians. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr. Before we return to our discussion of sin and repentance, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. Please remember to rate and review this episode, as well as previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, and other great podcasting sites. Also, you can like us on Facebook. As I mentioned before the break, the Talmud is replete with statements about Teshuvah, repentance. These ancient words are meaningful today for Jew and non-Jew alike. After all, at some point, everyone comes before God in penitence. We must be ready. Rabbi Eliezer said, Let the honor of your friend be as dear to you as your own. Be not easily provoked to anger, and repent one day before you die. This text from Perkei Avot, an appendage to the Mishnah called in English, The Ethics of the Fathers, is fascinating in its structure as well as in its message. It is a three-part call to action. We must do all three parts to achieve Teshuvah. Part one, let the honor of your friend be as dear to you as your own. Honor, love, loyalty, they are all bound up in how we treat each other. They are qualities that are also important in how we relate to God. If we fail to honor our friend, we fail to honor God. Part two, and be not easily provoked to anger. A good friend will sometimes make you angry, especially when we don't want to hear the truth. A friend may have a shot of bourbon with us. A true friend will stop drinking so that she can drive us home or tell us that we are alcoholics and arrange for treatment, even at the risk of our friendship. And then the third part, repent one day before you die. Rabbi Eliezer's students quite understandably asked him in response, Rabbi, how can we know the date of our death? To which the rabbi replied, you don't. Therefore, treat every day as if it were your last and make repentance part of your daily routine. Now the second saying from Perkei Avot. Rabbi Jacob used to say, more precious is one hour of repentance and good deeds in this world than all the life of the world to come. For those of us who place a high premium on achieving salvation, this statement is jarring. Rabbi Jacob says that good works in this world outweigh the world to come. And when you think about it, the world to come is a theoretical concept rooted in faith. Nobody is in a hurry to discover if there is indeed a world to come. But without Teshuvah, we will not earn the world to come, whatever it is. So let's get busy with repentance. I want to thank you for listening to Torah for Christians. You can listen to and rate previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, or other popular podcast outlets. Also, you can like us on Facebook and Instagram. If you haven't started already, I encourage you to prepare for the new year by reading Resolutions by my friend Rabbi Heather Miller, who joined me on this podcast last week. Her book is a daily meditation guide for the Hebrew month of Elul. It's a great way to prepare for the high holidays. 
This week, we discuss the nature of sin and repentance, how we recognize our shortcomings and ask each other for forgiveness. Next week, we will do a deeper dive into the whole topic of forgiveness. What is our obligation when someone comes to us and asks us to forgive him or her? It's a question worthy of exploration before the advent of the new year. Have a great day and remember, how good and how pleasant it is for us to dwell together in unity. Till we see each other again. I'm Rabbi Jordan Parr, and this has been Torah for Christians. Thank you.